Hello everyone and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today we are joined by Yoav Ilan and Danny Rubin in relation to Avedas HaKabonis, and we'll describe your unique relationship with this special Sefer. But let's start by each of you introducing yourself, tell us what you do, and then we'll get into your unique connection to this unique volume. Uh, Danny Rubin, I am currently give a weekly shear in Avodah Sekarbanas. It started way back when uh, I learned in Yeshiva Chafetz Chaim for many years in New York, Yerushalayim, and then Rochester, where I developed an affinity for Karbanas. I have smicha from Rav Moshe Heinemann, and I currently work at Baltimore Gas and Electric by day, and have barred in Maryland and DC, so I'm a lawyer as well. But just my affinity for Karbanas has uh, thankfully allowed me the opportunity to still be a Marbid's Torah. And I give a weekly shear. I saw the Sefer. I fell in love with it. I'm learning with, I've been learned through it once with the author's great grandson. And I, before Art Scroll took it up, I translated a simon and published that. Now, once Art Scroll has that volume, it, it, it's just incredible. And I can't get enough of it. And I'm just continuing to give shirim on it as, as we go forward at night. Thank you, Danny. And Yoav, what do you do? Um, well, I am currently a writer for Art Scroll, an illustrator for Art Scroll. Um, I actually started with Art Scroll um, in 2003 um, with Sachas They were looking for someone at the time to uh, write and eventually illustrate Sachas Midos for the Schattenstein Gemara. And I happened to be at the right place at the right time. I was in Yeshivas Ner Israel, learning in the Kolo there. Uh, the Mashkiach or Moshe Eisman Shlita, uh, also an art scroll writer, he put me in touch with uh, Rabbi Cheskel Danziger. Uh, we met, and he, um, he looked at some things I had written about the Beis HaMikdash, and, uh, which I, I had been hoping to publish as a book. Uh, so I gave it to art scroll to consider. Uh, he called me back later, he says, I have bad news, uh, we're not interested in publishing the book. Got my first rejection from Art Scroll. Uh, but he said, how would you like to write Masechas Midos for the Schattenstein Gemara? I said, I guess I'll have to think about it. Uh, yes, I would love to work on the Schattenstein Gemara. So that's how I started with Art Scroll, writing and then illustrating uh, that Masechta. Uh, I was able to Baruch Hashem, work on uh, Masechas Midos for uh, other publications that they put out, the Yad Avra Mishnayas, Mishnah Elucidated, and uh, since then, I've been writing and illustrating uh, on many different projects here at Artscroll since, uh, since then. And we should mention that some of your illustrations are actually in this volume right here as well. Yes, they asked me. Uh, I, wasn't, I was not participating with the, in the writing of the Sefer. That was handled by the rabbis uh, Weiss, who did an amazing job putting mm -hmm. the Sefer together. Uh, they asked me to do some of the illustrations, and so that's, uh, that's the part, the chalak of the Sefer that I work on. So for our viewers who don't know what the Sefer Avedas HaKobonis is, Tell us, one of you, both of you, what is this Sefer, and why should it interest the average person out there? Well, I guess I could start, and um, everybody, I think, has had this experience in yeshiva, primarily learning Nashim, Nazikin, and then there is Kadshim Sugi, right? something about the base of Migdash, something about Kadshim. There's this tendency to kind of tune out. Well, this is off topic. 
and there is this tendency to be intimidated. As I was in yeshiva, um, I once saw a, a hesped, a eulogy that Rabaran Kotler gave for the Chazanish in the back of Mishnah Rabaran, where he mentions that we live in a generation of specialists. People feel like, well, this is my subject, this isn't. The Chazon Ish was the farthest thing from it. So he was not a specialist. Kolotor Kula was his sugi, it was his topic. I decided to try and take that attitude next time I approached a Kudshim topic. And it went very, very well. And I kept thinking, I spent time on it. And then I said to myself, wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody wrote something as user-friendly as like a Kitzer Shulchan Aruch to Korbanas? And then um, I was in Toronto one weekend, and I was just walking past the Svarim store, and lo and behold, I actually saw that Sefer on the table at like, the front of the store. It's like uh, Hashem was saying, this is exactly what you need. So I grabbed it immediately. I learned that the sugyas, the topics became even easier because just the way the author sets up the avodas Beis Amigdash and the way all the avodas, the intricacies of the Korbanash are set up, they're organized in such a way, it's, it's kind of like learning Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, where what becomes complex is user-friendly. And now, with what ArtScroll did by taking the more complex notes and making those even simpler and adding the introductions, it's, it's more incredible. So. I guess I fell in love with the topic, realizing it was not intimidating, and then it was um, the safer Avodos HaKarbanos made it even more friendly and more incredible to get into. And as, as one feels more confident as one grows, then one wants to learn more. There is definitely a perception, Yoav, that the Limud of Kachim are for those who are learning in the yeshivas of Brisk, or those in elite Chaburis in famous yeshivas, or for those when you, if you're learning Daf Yaimi, when you get to certain Masechtas, like the Masechta being learnt at the time of this conversation, which is Yuma, what have you found as far as Avedas HaKarbonus opening the door to everyone to be able to grasp what are generally very unfamiliar topics? Well, again, as, as uh, Rabbi Daniel was saying, the Sefer, it lays out everything so easily and makes it so accessible that, um, again, it just makes everything so approachable. It takes away a lot of the, you know, the trepidation that people have when, when trying to learn Kudshim, mm -hmm. and everything is laid out. It's, it goes Kaseder Hayom. Um, if, you know, on Shabbos, you can look through the Musafim and see what it's talking about, you know, how they, they operated in the Beis Mikdash on Shabbos. And uh, even for people who are not Kohanim, I mean, one thing I really liked about um, learning the Sefer is that, uh, you know, people have this conception that uh, our tefillos nowadays are there to replace the karbanos, um, which some people might mistakenly think means that they didn't daven, they didn't have tefillos during the times of the Beis Megdash because they had karbanos. Well, you learn the Sefer, you see the Kohanim, they davened in the Beis Megdash every day. So just kind of like little eye-opening things like that make the Sefer uh, phenomenal. What many people may not know is that this Sefer Avedus HaKarbonos is over a hundred years old. It was written, I believe, in 1913 by none, honor, none other than Rev. Aaron Hakoyin Kagan. I, it seems that his name is sometimes used as Kagan, sometimes not. But Rev. Aaron Hakoyin was the son-in-law of the Chavetz Chaim. Tell us about him and about the Chavetz Chaim's approbation 
to his son-in-law's phenomenal sefer? Well, uh, I can start, being from Chafetz Chaim, I heard from Repentant Leibowitz's nephew a story that many people may not know. Rav David Leibowitz, the original Rashiva of Chafetz Chaim, was in the Sabad Kekolel, and he was the Chafetz Chaim's nephew. And there was a time that Rav David was learning Moed in the Kolel. The Chafetz Chaim really urged him to take on Kachim. Because, um, as you see from many, much of the Chafetz Chaim's writing, he realized the relevance. He realized that we're in Ikvasa de Meshicha, and basically, you're basically walking into the base of Migdash when you learn Kadshim. So Rav David mentioned that he was he happened to be in Moed. So the Chafetz Chaim, according to the story, the Chafetz Chaim mentioned for that they have my Mishnah Bura. So he uh, he then urged Rav David to learn Kachim. So I don't know what happened at the end of that story, but I don't know if Rav David ever switched or not, but what ha with the Chafetz Chaim's emphasis and through the Chafetz Chaim's writings about the absolute relevance of really offering Korbanos through learning Korbanos. And uh, after I saw the Chafetz Chaim talk about that, I, I saw the language in Meshachachma at the beginning of Sefer Vayikra. He calls it spiritual electricity. So imagine for those of you that have ever lived through a blackout and wondering when is the power going to get back on. Now, full disclosure, I work at Baltimore Gas and Electric and I've been on storm duty. <laughs> it, it is a real challenge. So imagining for a second that when is the power going to get back on? And then the frustration of not having power. The fact that we have the power of the Beis HaMikdash and the way the Reb Meir Simcha and the Meshach Ahmed describes it, you see that when the Chafetz Chaim describes the urgency to learn Kachim because we are literally offering Korbanos. I know uh, the Sif Sechaim, Reb Chaim Friedlander, and explaining Tefilos, he talks about in Rosh Hashanah davening, Yantif davening, Simcha la'artzecha v'sason la'irecha. But why in Yerushalayim is there a higher level of elation when we offer um, in the tefillah? So he answers that Yerushalayim was a city with, replete with korbanos. When you have a korban, your relationship with Hashem changes in, in the blink of an eye. You just flip that switch. You've grown to be a different person. You've grown to be an, someone who atoned for himself. You've grown closer to Hashem simply by these physical acts. And as the Chafetz Chaim describes the importance and the urgency, it's that idea that we literally can walk into the Beis HaMikdash through learning Korbanas and the fact that as is Hashem, Mashiach is imminent. I just point out one other thing that um, I do not know the Sefer as well as, as Rabdani does by, by any means. But, uh, but I can point out, <laughs> learning it and giving sheer with your website pictures is incredible. I, I recommend anybody do that when you learn the Sefer. Just go to Rabdani's pictures, both inside the Sefer and in, on the website itself. And I actually have the PowerPoints that I made for my shear. If anybody wants, I'll be happy to send them a copy. But Where do you give your shear? I give it in Baltimore. Okay. And just as an aside, that came about because when the Safer came out, there was someone in Baltimore that was just taken by the Safer for all the right reasons. It's incredible. You know, you're literally walking into the base of Megdash. And he offered to pay for copies for anybody who wanted to learn through the Safer. Mm. Wow. 
So um, I believe that idea was bandied about, and then I think some of the Rabbanim in Baltimore said that, well, we're, if that's where the program is, we're gonna go further, and the program needs a shear. So it just so happens I learned through the Safer with the author's great-grandson, and mm -hmm. he thought of me, and happily I jumped at the chance, and then he told me about Rabbi Elon's website, and, and the mm -hmm. accompanying that, it, uh, it couldn't be a better combination. I do want to mention, yeah. the original Sefer by Rabbi Aaron Akoyin received many glowing haskomas from no less than Rabbi Chaim Brisker, Rabbi Chaim Moiser, some others, um, and I don't want to forget to thank as well the author's granddaughter, uh, Rabbi nice. Tarshish, who threw her support behind the publication of the Art Scroll edition of Avodah Carbonus, The translation on this particular volume was done by Rabbi Moshe Weiss. His father, Rabbi Yosef Usher Weiss, did editing along with Rabbi Avram Foreman and some of the other outstanding Tamad Chachamim here at Art Scroll. So definitely tremendous credit uh, goes to them for putting out what's an absolute masterpiece. And it's enhanced greatly by your illustrations. Talk, Rabbi Yoav, for a moment about your infatuation with the Beis HaMikdash in general, with Avodos HaKabonis in particular. We have some of your 3D creations here. Tell viewers how they could see some of the illustrations that uh, Rib Danny mentioned and how you got so involved in this. Oh, sure. So um, when I was younger, um, I was pretty good at Gemara, not too bad. I filled my notebooks during Shear, but uh, mostly I was doodling in the margins. and. Um, when I was in college, I was first exposed to Masechas Midos, which is all about the structure of the second base of Mikdash. So here was a Masechta. It was architecture. It was math. I could not have been happier. I was learning with my Harusa at the time, Shmuel Meisman in Baltimore. And so we learned through it. I started taking notes. I was making sketches. I realized that this is something that I could really you know, get my teeth into. And so I started um, learning how to do il computer illustration and 3D models. And, you know, building up my skills. So eventually, when I worked for Art Scroll on that Masechus Midos for the Schattenstein, I was able to come and do the, the illustrations for the Masechta. And on my own, just as my hobby, I continued learning about the Beis HaMikdash, developing the model even more. I started a blog where I write uh, on different topics and books about the Beis HaMikdash. And uh, as you pointed out, so these are, some of these are my 3D models that I took from a virtual computer model, and then they can be changed into a 3D printed model. So just for example, just to say one, this, this model here, this is a model made out of sandstone. Uh, what they do is they put down a layer of very fine sand and they infuse it with super glue. Layer by layer, they build it up and they add color, as you can see here. And so you get, in the end, a uh, very nice um, teaching model about the base Mikdash because um, seeing something is so much better than hearing about it or reading about it. So you printed this actual model yourself on a 3D printer? Uh, I do have a 3D printer, but it does not do anything as fancy as this. This was done by a professional company uh, in New York called Shapeways. Uh, they pr print in a variety of, of different materials. This happens to be sandstone. Uh, they print in plastics. They print in, uh, I'll show you another smaller one. They can print in solid metal. This is a, a very small steel model of the base of Megdash. And um, the, you know, the sky is the limit when it comes to these 3D printing um, models because you can print something out and put it into someone's hand and show them this is the Sharnikanor, this is where the Mizbeach was. 
it makes such a big difference when you're, again, when you're teaching these topics. Uh, and as I do, I do slideshows and presentations on the second base migdash. So having something to hold in your hand makes the, the experience and the teaching much easier and much more effective. What was your experience? You started a, a blog. What was your experience as far as people's feedback? Were you surprised by how interested people were in this esoteric topic? It is very interesting because once you put something out there, then you you know you start to hear from all kinds of people. And Baruch Hashem, I did hear from people around the country, around the world, um, expressing interest and appreciation for the work that I was putting into the models and the images and the animations. Uh, I met um, other similar people who are interested in the same types of things. Uh, Yitzi Kasowitz, who does uh, Jewish Lego models of the base Migdash and other things. And um, you know, it's been very successful, a very fulfilling experience. And Berkshem, it's it's putting a lot of Torah about the base Migdash out there for the public to consume. And through my shir, I'm receiving a lot of that as well through both the Safer and through the website. It's amazing what was once like an intimidating topic. Mm -hmm. What's happening now is the questions I'm getting are very, very practical. People are literally putting themselves, the Kohanim and the Shir in particular, are putting themselves in the shoes of the Avodas base of Megdash, and they're walking through all the services, all the Avodas, and saying, hey, wait a second, how do I do this? How do I do X? How do I do Y? You know, uh, how do I have this dexterity? And you know, where do the tools come from? You know, they're looking at the base of Megdash and an incredible practical and friendly way. So instead of being like off limits and intimidating, now it's become a very warm, comfortable place where people are actually putting the vision of serving in it in their mind's eye, thanks to both the safer and the visuals. Now the Oxgrove volume was generously dedicated by Elia Malki Friedman, I should mention. We're very grateful uh, to them for making this project possible. Take us through the seder of this safer. How is it set up? And the novice who knows little about Avodas HaKabonos, what are they going to experience when they open the first page and they start learning through chapter by chapter? Well, I think I can just put it simply. There's a joy, a comfort. And for those novices who have seen Kadshim in other areas, there's a relief because you are literally waking up with the Kohanim. We're saying for the ones that actually went to sleep, but the order of the Sefer is a, a day in the life of the Beis HaMegdash. It starts with the Kohanim's night procedures, and it's a very, very human narrative. It's not a complex halacha where you have to go back and forth and say, what is that pasuk again? Rather, you're kind of living in the shoes of the Kohanim. You're going through the daily service, you're going through the very, very human parts of it, like the Kohanim that fell asleep on guard, and they were woken up in a very caustic way, where they were very vulnerable to that. There were there's potential for mistakes, there were human mistakes were made, and the Kohanim who went through the lotteries to get through, to be eligible to the Avodah, and just going through that, seeing the daily narrative and the fact that these are kind of regular people. There will be regular people when it comes to the Ketoros, right? Everybody wanted the Ketoros. You can only get it once because everybody wanted to be rich. This was a predisposition, a school up for Ashiras. So the Sefer starts with the day in the life of Beis HaMikdash. It goes through the Korban Tamid. Then it goes through what I'll call the situational Korbanos in the second half, where, you know, what did I do Pesach? What happened? 
on Shavuos. Now, we're all going to Davin Mosef on those days. Chazal, it's very clear that Chazal wanted us comfortable with Korbanos because we just, all the laning is from Korbanos and all Shrona Esrei is from Korbanos. Here you can simply take the Sefer to Shul and open it. And at the right part, it's like, oh, that's how it went. That's how the practical narrative um, continued. And that's what was accomplished each day. So it really goes through first the daily routine, and then I'll call it the, the seasonal, uh, the situational routine. And there's a major section on the Avedas Yom HaKippurim, which is a, a, a whole topic unto itself. And that also will give people a renewed appreciation or a first-time appreciation. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's where we're spending the, a major share of Yom Kippur at the point where we're very vulnerable to getting tired. And if one is just reading that section of the Yom Kippur Machsor kind of by rote, well, um, you know, these are just kind of ceremonies, rituals. It's much more difficult when you see Avodos HaKarbanos in advance and you see this is, has to happen, and this is why, and this is how atonement and achieved, it makes that part of Yom Kippur come to life, and it makes it a very meaningful, poignant part of Mosef, where it may not have necessarily been that way otherwise. It yeah. sounds like this Sefer should almost be a prerequisite for anyone who's going to be learning any sugya and kachim. I have to tell you on that note, every era of Pesach, I go over it with my family. There are 18 simanim on the Garvin Pesach, and that's exactly, besides the metaphysical benefits of that being off, we offer the Garvin Pesach, but just to get an idea, I mean, Pesach is just an example of one yontif, but it centers around the Garvin. Every yontif centers around the Garvin. Mesech centers around the Garvin. So, so many so much of our life really still centers around korbanos. It's going to be part of our lives anyway, so opening the Sefer in advance, just going through all of part of Sefer Vayikra and laning. Mm -hmm. And even uh, for Yom Kippur especially, for me I found that knowing the structure of the Beis HaMikdash, reading the Seder Avoda in detail in, in Avodas HaKorbanos, when you come to that section of the davening where we're reading through the very concise and poetic description of the Avoda, you get a better appreciation, again, of, for the, the poetry and for what's happening behind those words. You know, as, as you play it through in your mind, this really gives you that background to help bring that part of davening, make it more real and bring it to life. Now, Rabbi Yoav, in all the time and effort that you've devoted to the Beis HaMikdash and Avedas HaKarbanas, what is perhaps the most surprising component of the Avedah or the structure of the Beis HaMikdash that you discovered that maybe people don't know? Well, interesting, um, I found when I was researching the, the, the topic in general is that um, we know, for example, in Hilchos Tefillah, so the halacha is when you're outside Eretz Yisrael, we face Eretz Yisrael when we daven. In Eretz Yisrael, you face Yerushalayim, and Yerushalayim, the base of Migdash. In the base of Migdash, when you daven, and as we discussed, they daven in the base of Migdash, they face the Kodesh HaKadashim. So the Mishnah Brura writes that this is not just an exercise in map skills. This is a mental exercise where he says you have to imagine yourself davening in the base of Mikdash, in the Kodesh HaKadashim. So how could you do that if you don't know what the base of Mikdash looks like? And I'll just jump in on that. Uh, Rav Schwab says something on that subject was incredible. Uh, Rav Schwab wrote a sefer on Mashiach. Um, 
basically in the Sefran Chomish Parshas Bo, he talks about the fact that Rebbe Hanan really encouraged him to do that. In the beginning of that Sefer, he speaks about the weekend that he spent with the Chavetz And it was Parshas Beshalach. And somehow the question was posed to the Chavetz Chaim. We're reading about the man. Medrash tells us well, uh, the man tasted like whatever you wanted it to taste like. And the question was posed to the Chavetz Chaim. Let's say you didn't want it to taste like anything. You had no particular intention in mind. So the Chafetz Chaim answered, well, I'm afraid to tell you that you've just forfeited the beauty of the man. If you didn't have anything in mind, mm -hmm. then it wouldn't taste like anything. Then he added something astounding to me. He said, that's the way it's going to be in the Messianic era. If somebody does not doesn't get themselves to appreciate what's going to go on be Yemos HaMashiach, they're going to live through Yemos HaMashiach, the greatest blessing ever to happen to mankind. And they're not going to appreciate it, just like a tasteless man. So to me, just going through the avodas in the korbanos and going through what will happen, Ikvus in Mashiach, it's, it's scary. The Chafetz Chaim basically said that we will not appreciate it until we learn to appreciate it. And this is one of the most incredible tools to do so. You're right. The Chafetz Chaim is famously known as promoting the limud of Kachim. And this Sefer in particular, as, as mentioned in the introduction, the Chafetz Chaim reviewed every word. He measured every word of this particular Sefer. So we know that the Chafetz Chaim put a tremendous amount of emphasis on learning these topics, and both of you uh, kind of epitomized that. So, kala kavod. Thank you. Why do both of you believe that many people are either intimidated or disinterested in learning these topics? I'll start with Yoav. Well, again, as uh, Rabdani pointed out, when people come to a Kajim Sugya, uh, they get scared off because it's unfamiliar and uh, they don't really have the background that they might have in other uh, areas, and so they get nervous about it. But um, again, like, especially with a safer like this, where it's something that can be explained clearly and easily. And it's not only that, but we, the Chafetz Chaim writes, he, and is a safer Torah Or, he says that we really have a chiyuv to become familiar with the structure of the Beis Mikdash and the Seder of, uh, of the Korbanos, because he says, you know, when the Gemara uh, ends the Sugi with Teku, that Tishbi Yitaritz Kushos Riabayos, he says, don't uh, misunderstand that to mean that when Mashiach comes, Eliyahu Navi will just simply come and teach everybody Hilchos Beis Amikdash, Hilchos Avoda. He says, no, we have to do all that pre-learning with the tools that we have right now because uh, Eliyahu is not going to come teach us things that we could have learned on our own. Mm -hmm. And so we have uh, a chiv to go through, learn the sugyas, become familiar with them. And again, uh, with a safer like this and Masech Asmidos and the work that Art Scroll has done to make these things accessible, uh, that becomes much easier now than it ever was before. Danny, what's your feeling on that? Building on Rubiov's point, uh, I agree that we're, we're sort of introduced to it in what I'll call a, a, a si sideways. When it comes up, it sort of interferes with the main topic. And that's where if, uh, if you just learn the foundation, the building blocks first, it becomes much more comfortable. And I just remember a story. Uh, I went to Camp Monk way back in the day when Gedalia Zlotowicz was a sweet little camper. 
And at that time, Rib Shimon Eider was in charge of teaching teenagers, and the summer's topic was Hagdalas Kalim. And you know, he brought us all into the room the first night, and you know, how do you get some 15-year-olds interested or, uh, in Hagdalas Kalim? One of the most important things he said to us at the start of that year was, even if you don't master the topic, there's light years of difference between when somebody informed asks a question and when somebody uninformed asks a question. So at the very least, when you build up your repertoire, when you build up your level of knowledge, you become comfortable. And the questions that you, you see are no questions, go away, they become obvious to you, and you become a more sophisticated person in that area. And then even the questions that you ask like spur on much better dialogue. So again, using the safer where you don't have to be proficient, but there's no comparison to when somebody informed builds on their knowledge of Kutchim and somebody who is uninformed asks. So parenthetically, I've passed, and from that year when I was 15, I've passed in the wealth of Shiloh's already, forgetting, mm. forgetting about anything else. But, the fact that we, we sort of, it inter we don't take it on as a primary topic, it's not as user-friendly is, um, is one reason, but the other, and I got a sort of quote from my day job, I do training for utility, one of the principles of adult learning, if you will, is relevance. So when you do train adults in the corporate world, you have to establish relevance to get their attention. I think when people realize that Karbanos and Kadshim are as relevant as ever. Chazal tell us this time and time again. We have the opportunity to offer a Korban Ola. We have, through learning its Torah, to offer a Chatas, to offer an Asham. So the fact that that opportunity is available to us, I think Gemara Bab talks about the fact that Kadshim is one of the Sadarim in Mishnayas that are no Gaelamai, so they're relevant, they're practical today. So the fact that when we open Hilchas Korbanos and we go through those, we receive the metaphysical powers of Korbanos, the spiritual electricity, is something that can't be emphasized enough and perhaps we don't do it because when we learn it in school, you know, maybe people are too young to appreciate that, but mm -hmm. basically we know about all the brachas available from Gedolom, all the koach Karbanos are alive and well and are a spiritual tool that's powerful in that same tool chest. So that message isn't as, doesn't get out there as much as maybe I'll say as it should be. And in that way, people would appreciate more that I have a problem with the relationship. The relationship is with the Kaddish Baruch Well, I can learn Hilchas Chattas. Right? Mordechai, in the time of Esther, when the times were at their worst, what was he Osikin? He was Osikin Korbanos. He was offering a Korban mm -hmm. Mincha. So all these spiritual tools are alive and well and powerful, and they, uh, the benefits are available to us all, but I don't think that is emphasized enough. Mm -hmm. Yo, what's your feeling on that? Um, I think that uh, everything that Danny is saying is, is correct. I've had the same experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but again, it comes um, from a place of, I want to say, at least for myself, for ignorance, that you know, it mm -hmm. looks scary on the outside, but when you approach it, um, the topics are accessible, and these things are concepts which people can understand. 
I mean, again, like when I when I first learned Masechus Midos, it's math, it's architecture, nothing um, esoteric. It's just start with the basics and then build on top of that to the Seder Avoda, and then and then you find yourself you're you're into the uh, the Indian, and it starts to become much more. Well, meaningful. you've done a, a, a yeoman's job, helping to open the door, make it accessible through illustrations. There's nothing better than a picture which is worth a thousand words to explain what something looks like or looked like. In this case, in depicting the Beis HaMikdash and the Avedas HaKarbonus and the Kalim of the Beis HaMikdash, what was one area that was particularly daunting or arduous in depicting? Uh, the one thing that Rabbi Usher, um, uh, Yosef Usher Weiss and I um, spent a lot of time on with this Sefer is that the, the Mechaber goes through the Sefer ha Seder Hatavas HaMenorah, how the lamps of the menorah were lit, which ones were skipped, you know what I'm talking about? Very complicated, very complex, and he, um, Rav Usher, um, Rav Yosef Usher wanted to boil it down into one easy diagram that captured all the, you know, the whole sugya in one, on one page. So that was a task that we spent many hours working out the back and forth and how we're going to present it. I think, I think we did a pretty good job of well, it. I, I can jump into that. I covered that two weeks ago and did a masterful job because it went smoothly in cheer. So, was yeah. so that was, that was a, a whole sugya that we had to go through, but I think, uh, I think it came out and the diagram kind of uh, sums up uh, all the key points. Well, thanks to both of you for really, you through your share, you through your diagrams, through your ongoing conversation with Klal Yisrael, being available to answer questions, and really through this encouragement in this conversation, that people should feel comfortable opening up this Sefer Avedis HaKarbonus as uh, kind of an opening to this topic, to be comfortable, not to be scared, not to be intimidated. They'll find that, uh, as we were talking before, that they'll find that they'll have a growing interest in the topic the more they learn about it. Any final word from either of you as we close this conversation? I'd just like to thank Rabbi Elon because besides his diagrams and the pictures, he's also wonderfully responsive. Questions come up in sheer all the time. And uh, by the next week, I have answers through no fault of my own. So thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate the, the kind words, Danny. Um, again, the, these are topics which are relevant. They're going to be very relevant, Mr. Hashem, very soon. And uh, the Tosos Yom Tov, he writes in the beginning, uh, his introduction to Masechas Midos, is that we're learning Masechas Midos as the prerequisite to Bayes Shlishi. Um, we, need, we need to know the basics of what a Beis Mikdash looks like. So he says that's why we're learning Masechas Midos. We learn about uh, Kajim in general so that when it comes time, to build the third and final base of Mikdash, we're going to be ready. Well, thank you on, for that. On thank that you. To, note, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, right, we know one of the three questions we get asked right after that's a piece of Yeshua. So, did you long for the base Hamigdash? So, I, I don't know if how long I could emotionally. My tissue buffs aren't necessarily as emotionally gut wrenching as I like, but I feel very, very comfortable answering that question by the, uh, the regular Seder and Avodos Hakarbonos. Well, thank you to both of you for traveling from Baltimore, I should mention, out to Art Scroll here in Rahway, New Jersey, to discuss the Sefer. And Amir Tashem, when Mashiach comes, Bimher Yamenu. I know at least two people I'll be able to go to, two friends, if I have any questions with Avedas Beis HaMikdash, Avedas HaKabonah. So thank you to both of you for what you're doing in uh, spreading awareness, so to speak, of this important topic. And may it stand as a schuss to both of you. Amen. Thank, thank you for having us. Thank you.